Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Oh Lord, may those words be not just words to a song, but words of our heart. May we realize how great you are and how powerful you are and that you are able to heal not only our physical issues, but our spiritual issues, our emotional struggles. You want to come into our lives and speak into us. To breathe life into what is really more, more a zombie than anything without you. Just going through the motions. Lord, we ask that you would speak into our lives this morning. Heal us in those areas, Lord, that we need to be healed, that we are hurt and burdened and struggling. May this morning be more than just a ritual of walking in and sitting down and singing a song and walking back out. May this, Lord, be a powerful moment in our life. Your word is powerful. It speaks into us. It challenges us. It encourages us. Lord, as we look at your word this morning, I pray that it would do that. In your name we pray. Amen. The scripture this morning is from Matthew 8, 18 through 34. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have halls, holes and birds have, of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own. Then he got into the boat with his disciple, and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves slept, swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. Disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, ye of little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it came, it, it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. When he arrived on the other side of the region at Gadarenes, two demon possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God, they shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. He said to them, go. So they came out and went into the pigs. And the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. Those tending the pigs ran off, went into the town and reported all this, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus. 
And when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. May God add his blessing to the reading this morning as we prepare our hearts to sit around the communion table. Jesus and his disciples were well-traveled people for their time. They traveled about 150 miles north and south and 50 miles east and west uh, during the ministry time that Jesus was with his disciples. That would be uh, about five or six days travel north and south at 25 miles a day or two, miles, uh, two days east and west if you were traveling by foot. So to compare that to today... Most of us travel by car, so, you know, where could you go in six hours north and south? Probably from Toronto to Key West, I would say. Or you could go from here to uh, the Atlantic Ocean, most any place, in two days. So, Jesus was a well-traveled person for his time. And the passage we read this morning tells about one of those travels, traveling across the Sea of Galilee, which wouldn't have been uh, only just a few miles, but nonetheless, it was a time when Jesus... Uh, took time away from the crowds in order to teach his disciples some valuable lessons. Jesus liked to teach lessons by example as well as by word. And so in this passage this morning, uh, we see that example shining forth uh, from which we can learn a lesson about how to be uh, a disciple. Verse 19, a teacher of the law of Moses came to Jesus and he wanted to follow Jesus. This man had good intentions for sure. He was a well-learned fellow already. And so he had spent a lifetime learning things from the Bible and learning about uh, the concepts of the Jewish faith uh, about who God was and what God did in the world. Accumulating information about God was this man's goal in life. But Jesus told him in verse 20 in so many words that there was more to following Jesus than just accumulating or learning more information about God. Sometimes they wouldn't even have a place to sit down and talk and learn about God. And so the disciples had to learn to be very flexible in their uh, approach to ministry with Jesus. There was no fixed schedule. There was no time set for doing this or that. No regular rest periods. Uh, it doesn't sound like the kind of... Um, of um, contract that uh, United Auto Workers would work out with the union, I don't think. Uh, I remember whenever I worked for uh, Ford Motor Company, we got six minutes off every hour. Uh, that was the way the contract read. So you could either accumulate it up or you could, uh, or you could take it off uh, every hour or so, whatever you wanted to do. But uh, Jesus and the disciples were free from any kind of uh, contracts like that. Jesus wanted disciples that would be free to go and come when needed to do this or that, or whatever the occasion called for action. The virtue for the disciples, though, wasn't just flexibility, but the discipleship opportunity for them was to be open to Jesus' direction at a moment's notice and to be ready to go and do what Jesus had in mind. That's one of the reasons that early priests and pastors and ministers uh, usually didn't own property. In fact, they took uh, what they called a vow of poverty in those days, and uh, they owned little, if any, kinds of uh, resources like houses or uh, businesses or whatever. Now, Jesus doesn't call us to poverty necessarily today, although there still are a few people who have a vow to poverty. But he calls us to flexibility and availability 
so that when he calls, we can be ready to listen and to go and respond to his call. Then there was a second lesson that Jesus taught from a second man who came to ask about being a disciple. This man uh, wanted to care for his family first, though, before he uh, went off to join Jesus and uh, the other disciples. It was a custom in those days that a son, usually the oldest son, would take care of the parents uh, for a few brief years until the parents died, and then they would take on their own responsibility and goals in life. Now, in those days, parents didn't outlive their children like often happens today. In fact, parents didn't live much longer than the early adult years of their children. And so there were no very few three-generation families, and it would have been unheard of to have four or five-generation families like we see pictured in the newspaper from time to time. So Jesus' response to this man seems to be rather harsh when he tells him, let the dead bury the dead. But what Jesus was trying to get across to this fellow was, step away from your Jewish tradition for a moment. Step away from your thoughts about what life should be all about. If you're really going to be my disciple, you have to have a narrow focus on what uh, following God is all about. To really focus your thoughts and your direction in life Uh, in a different way than what the culture around you is calling you to do. In those days, they were calling for one thing, but Jesus was calling for something quite different. I remember having that same kind of thought whenever I was a young fellow. Um, uh, Six of my uh, brothers were uh, gone from home, or they were soon planning leaving uh, home and going to the military and, and school and all those kinds of things. And uh, I felt that uh, I also had a call. My call was to go to school and and, uh, further my education in Louisville at the seminary. And so it was hard to leave home. It was hard to break from the tradition that somebody should stay at home and watch after uh, my mother and dad. Well, Jesus may be calling someone like that today. Jesus may be calling someone right here in our midst. It might be a young person like I was, or it might be an older person because God doesn't just call young people. God just doesn't call men. God calls men and women of all ages and descriptions to follow him and to focus on life goals that he has for you, to narrow uh, your direction in life so that you can really uh, have service to Jesus and to his kingdom as first place in your life. If God were to call you through his Holy Spirit, what would your response be? Would you be willing to take that new direction in your life, or would you be tempted to just uh, keep going the same direction that you're going now? I think God's calling uh, people to follow him today, and uh, he's still calling here in this church as well, and we need to be looking around in the church and encouraging uh, people that you know that might have a calling in their life, and they might need your encouragement to respond to God's call, to narrow their focus, and to take that discipleship opportunity. And then third, in verses 23 to 27, uh, tells us a rather exciting event here, the the storm on the Sea of Galilee. Uh, This storm came up without warning, like many storms do in the Sea of Galilee. And the disciples thought they were going to drown. Now, this wasn't just being an alarmist on their part. These disciples, many of them at least, had been fishermen before they became followers of Jesus. And so they knew how drastic being caught in the middle of the Sea of Galilee in and, and a storm would be. And so they uh, 
uh, didn't know what to do, and like usual, they called on Jesus. But Jesus was sleeping in the front of the boat in this, in this storm. Jesus had had a hard day of ministry. He'd been healing and preaching and teaching and, and walking all those miles as well. And so he was able to rest. He was able to trust God even in the midst of a storm. That was Jesus' operating principle was you trust God in the midst, especially in the midst of storms. Trusting God in risky situations was one of the lessons that Jesus was trying to demonstrate by sleeping right there in the front of the boat in the middle of the storm. And there was never a better lesson taught probably to the disciples than that particular one that day. They remembered it as a test to the fact that they wrote it down in the Gospels that we have today. I remember years ago when Don and I were at, at the church in uh, Graham Baptist Church in San Jacinto, Indiana. And this particular church, uh, uh, one of the ladies was going to have a baby, and her daughter was going to have a baby at the same time, which is rather unusual. But the mother demonstrated for the daughter uh, how to take care of herself during that time of pregnancy, and then she demonstrated for the daughter how to care for that little baby since it was the daughter's uh, first child. A demonstration in how to live in a risky situation, and that demonstration sticks with us for a long time. You have opportunity as a disciple to uh, demonstrate in whatever risky situation you might encounter, encounter in the days ahead, and eventually there will be one for all of us. Uh, you have an opportunity to demonstrate your discipleship by showing how God is with you and helping you in the midst of whatever that tough time might be. Romans 8, 31, 32 tells us, What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how shall he not also freely give us all things? So if God was able and willing to sacrifice his son Jesus so that we might have forgiveness of our sins and that our sins might be paid for on the cross, uh, then he's surely going to add whatever else uh, we need in the midst of a risky situation that we might encounter. Jesus said that faith is the key to enduring and prospering during the storms of life. Oh, you of little faith. Jesus seems to repeat that quite often to the disciples. And I hear that echoing in my mind quite often whenever I face uh, tough times. Oh, you of little faith. We need to grab a hold of the faith that Jesus gives to us and practice it and call on Jesus like the disciples did, and he will calm the storms that come into our life, or he will at least manage, help us to manage the storms of our life in a way uh, that we'll be able to bring glory to him. I'm continually amazed as a pastor as I encounter people in this congregation and other places where I've served previously that Jesus' followers are able to stay calm in the midst of the risky storms of life. We may be like the disciples and wonder, who is this Jesus? Who is this guy who can calm the storms and tell the, the waves and the sea <clears throat> to be still? We don't understand it. We can't uh, begin to explain uh, how Jesus calms the storms or brings us the peace that 
surpasses all understanding, like Paul says, but we just take it at face value and receive it with joy and celebrate that we have that opportunity to be Jesus' disciples in this time of risky situations. Praise the Lord with me for the storms that he has calmed in your life. And praise the Lord with me for the calm, calmness that he brings into others' lives as they face storms. Then the last part of this chapter tells us of another opportunity we have to uh, be Jesus' disciples. Disciples in action drive out demons when they encounter them. Demons from the lives of those who are imprisoned by sin. Now, in the case with uh, Jesus and his disciples, these were literal demons. Uh, they spoke to him, and they knew who Jesus was and spoke back. Uh, these demons uh, so possessed these men that they, were, they had superhuman strength. Uh, one of our niece's uh, husbands uh, uh, is a police officer in Allegheny County. He's a deputy sheriff. And he's told me about sometimes it takes three or four policemen to hold down a demon-possessed guy who's what? Drugged, right? Who's so influenced by drugs that he has superhuman strength. And so we can see that today in the case of uh, drug people, drugged people. And uh, that's what Jesus and his disciples were encountering when they encountered these uh, demonic-possessed people. There's other kinds of demons today, too. We can call any sin a demon that threatens our life. Uh, my mother uh, uh, lived with a, uh, a demonic fellow. <laughs> he was her father. He was an alcoholic. And uh, demon rum, she would call it. <laughs> that was her term for it in those days. Uh, demon rum was the, the title or the, the, the name they called the alcoholic drug of choice at that time. It ruined my grandfather's life. It ruined his marriage. It ruined his relationship with his two daughters. You see, there are demons out there that are imprisoning people like they did my grandfather, and there are demonic influences around us, and if Christians like you and I don't take on the opportunity to cast out demonic forces in the world around us, then who's going to do it? We're Jesus' representatives here today, and we need to be about his business. Now, my grandmother and my mother survived because they came under God's grace. They gave their life to the Lord, and uh, they drove the demons away from themselves by believing in Jesus' love and forgiveness. The demons Jesus confronted knew their time was limited. Their destruction was near. They wanted to make as much trouble as possible for the town and for the people as they could before Jesus uh, cast them out of these two men. And so they uh, took the chance to destroy much of a town's livelihood before they were cast out of these men. And so they went into this herd of pigs, and the herd of pigs charged over a cliff and down into the sea and destroyed the whole town's livelihood. We don't know... Uh, some accounts give thousands of pigs here. And this was in the Decapolis area, the Greek cities. Uh, the Greeks uh, ate pork. The Jewish people didn't, but the uh, Jewish people were glad to raise the pork for the, <laughs> for the Greeks. And so this town lost off 
probably a whole year's worth of, of uh, wages because of, uh, of the demons that went into these, these pigs. The town lost money, and Jesus and his disciples, they lost popularity because of it. And they were asked to leave the region to take off. We don't want to have anything to do with you. Uh, even though the, the result of their uh, work was quite evident, there are two men here now who were in their right mind and clothed and, and able to take on ministry for the Lord. But the people misunderstood, and they were afraid of the changes that had been brought into the lives of these two men. They couldn't understand the power that it took to cast out those demons. They couldn't understand the sacrifice that they had to make in order for these two men to be set free. People today misunderstand, and they're also afraid of changes that happen when people come to believe in Jesus. And sometimes you and I are afraid of the change that might occur if we really surrender our life to Jesus. Or we're afraid of the change that might occur if we step out in faith and challenge the demons in our own life or the demons in the life of someone else in order to help them to be set free. We're maybe afraid of the cost that it will take. Uh, we may be afraid that we'll lose popularity in the eyes of other people. Whatever it might be, we have to be willing to pay the price to drive out the demons out of our lives and out of the lives of other people around us. Many stories are told of people who have given up great wealth in order to follow Jesus. If you read the stories of the, the saints and the, and the, and the fathers uh, of early Christian faith, and their popularity diminished, and, and many times they were hated or even uh, uh, martyred for their faith. Because these people chose to follow Jesus wherever he called them to go. Mark's gospel tells us more details to these two men. The men were healed and became great witnesses to the people in these ten Greek cities. And I'm sure Decapolis never saw two better preachers than these preachers who found their ministry after they had been freed from the demonic influence in their life. Jesus calls us today to the opportunities of discipleship. He calls us uh, not only to be those who cast out demons, but he calls us to take great faith in the midst of risky situations. He calls us to trust him and uh, narrow our focus in life to following him. He calls us to be open to his direction at a moment's notice uh, so that we can follow him wherever he calls. Shall we pray? Lord, we know that uh, it's difficult to be your disciples. It's difficult to lay hold of the discipleship opportunities that lay before us each day, let alone for a lifetime. And so we pray, Lord, that you'd give us the strength to follow you, to be your disciples in this time, and to encourage those around us to follow you as well. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.